It's good to come to our scripture this week. We've been looking together at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' greatest preaching and teaching. Uh, Today, we're going to rewind just a bit from the fifth chapter back to the third chapter for Pentecost. And we're going to be looking together at baptism, something that some of our students will be experiencing just uh, another hour from now as well as uh, the work of the Holy Spirit that we celebrate on Pentecost Sunday. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to join with us on the third chapter of Matthew. I'm going to start in the first and second verse, and then we're going to zip ahead to the 11th verse and pick up there. But this is how the story goes about the days of John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then, in the 11th verse, he goes on and says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And so then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So then John consented. So as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. Then he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came and tempted him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me and for me? Come Holy Spirit, I need your help today. Lord Jesus, help me lift you up. And may uh, I help lift up the work of your kingdom, your kingdom that is here. It's in our midst. Help us not miss out, but help us and especially help our students today who are saying yes to you. Find your kingdom presence at work in their lives and hearts even right now. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. So there was this fellow, John the Baptist, and uh, John the Baptist uh, decided to start preaching and, and prophesying over Israel. And he chose an interesting place to do that. He didn't do it in Jerusalem where all the people would be. Instead, he did it out at the Jordan in the wilderness. And while he was there, he would baptize them and dip them in water. And, and with that, uh, he, would, uh, he would give this message, repent for the kingdom of of heaven has come near and i don't know part of me wonders why did they go out in the desert to see a guy like this 
I mean, think about it. I guess I could try to start a new ministry, right? I can head down to the Yellow River, and this week, you know, next Sunday, we'll just, we'll meet out at the Yellow River somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, and I'll start preaching and teaching, and we'll see who shows up. Um, you know, I mean, maybe I'll just be preaching to squirrels and crickets and, uh, you know, raccoons or something. I don't know. I'm not quite sure exactly how John got folks to come out and, and hear his message or, or how the Lord moved that, but it definitely was a work of God to, to make this decision to head out into the desert to listen to John the Baptist. I don't know, and, and many who went probably had different reasons for going. Some may have wanted to go uh, just to hear what was going on. I mean, back then, you know, you didn't have internet, nor cell phones, nor TVs, nor radio. So if you wanted something fun to do, it's like, hey, let's go hear this crazy guy out in the middle of nowhere and hear what he has to say. So maybe it was that. There were other leaders. They were going out, I think, very skeptical. They were going out there saying, we want to make sure his theology is good, that he's saying the things that us leaders in Jerusalem would want him to say, you know, that because uh, he hadn't gone to the right schools he hadn't been taught by the right rabbis. You know, he doesn't have the right credentials. So we're not so sure. And so they went out to listen to him with skepticism. But then others went out because they were hungry. Their hearts were hungry. Their lives were hungry. They knew they needed something new, something different that they had missed before, even with all that religion had tried to give them in their lives. And so with John the Baptist's message, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, began to resonate in their lives. And as a result of hearing his message, they chose to give their lives to baptism. And so this is the first part of the story that I want us to kind of look at. If, well, first, are we hungry like they are? Because if we're hungry, there comes moments in life where we realize we need something new. We need a change. The old isn't working anymore. I got my hair cut yesterday, so, you know, uh, my hair is a lot shorter today. And, and I was talking with the stylist while we were cutting, and, and she was sharing just how much of a challenge life is for her right now. You know, the rent on the place where she lives keeps going up and up inflation is higher she's a single mom trying to live off a single salary and raise kids and she even has some kids that they're already out of high school and they're still living with her and they're not really working and they're not really helping pay many of the bills and so she's frustrated with the way things are she hopes that something new could happen to help her find a better way forward and so today, one of the stories I want to share with us is a story of a fella who is also looking for a better way forward, though he didn't know it at the time. His name is Richard Maxson. He lives in England, and I found his story several years ago. Uh, he went on a course called the Alpha Course, and as I said with our students this year, we've tried to use the Alpha Course as a basic course of faith to share faith with them, to help them learn how to follow Jesus. And so he went on an adult version of learning how to follow Jesus. And this is some of the story he shares. He says, listen, 
my life was pretty much a blackout. I wasn't angry. I just loved to get out of control and to do whatever I wanted. It was all about me. I rarely saw my family, and even though they were only 15 miles away, when I did see them, I'd be grumpy and hungover, just waiting to leave so that I could get high or drunk again. And so my only boundaries was a reverse bucket list, a handful of things that I said I'd never do, things like take a stranger home from a bar or do cocaine or drive drunk or cheat on someone. I figured if I managed to avoid this handful of things, I was okay. So seven nights a week, I was out going hard, but I started to lose control. Before I knew it, life didn't taste like life. It tasted like death. Until the day, everything changed. So this is how it changed. It started with a girl. She wanted to check out church, and I wanted to check her out. So I tagged along. What I didn't like was that the more I went to church, the more I began to feel guilty for the way I was living. If only to deal with this uh, new guilty irritation, I felt a pull. The next thing the church offered, I said, I'll do it. I don't care what it is. Well, they offered Alpha as, an, as a course to learn about faith. And so he went. But as he went, he was living a double life. He would show up to his Alpha group, and then after it was all over, he'd, you know, he'd have fun at Alpha, then he'd go out and party. Week two, he'd have fun getting to know his friends at Alpha, then he'd go out and party. Week three, week four, finally on week four, he had partied too hard, too long, and everything on his reverse bucket list that he said he would never do that night, he had checked every single one off, and he felt lousy. And he knew something needed to change. And he was afraid that if he went to the Alpha uh, study the next week, that, that they'd just jump on him for how lousy he was. But when he showed up, expecting judgment and condemnation, instead, what shook him to the core is he encountered the love of this group that he'd been getting to know. They were real, they were open, and they encouraged him. When he was negative about himself, they believed in him and cared about him more than he could understand. And so he began to wonder, God, can you do something more in me? And so that's part of that journey, right? We begin the journey with realizing that our past and our present has to change. We can't stay on this same road any longer. We have to try a different path. We have to explore a different way forward. And so the message of John the Baptist is a message of let your past go. Repent. Let it go. Repentance means let the past go. Turn in God's direction and say, God, I don't know what you have for me, but I want to try to follow you. And so in that path of repentance, the second step is confession confessing our brokenness, being honest like Richard was, looking at our life and as we assess it, saying, you know what? I am messing my life up. I can't fix it. I need your help, oh God. And as we're honest with God about these things, as we are honest with ourselves, as we're honest with those closest to us, 
we will find God's forgiveness. And that forgiveness leads to the place where we really begin to begin the journey. We begin the journey with baptism. And so John the Baptist says, I come offering you a baptism in water for repentance. A baptism like some of our youth will experience just a little while from now. And as he says this, he's saying that this is a a picture of us starting a journey. It's a picture of God washing us clean. It's a picture of us having a new life and getting a second chance. But John knew that that he could only carry us kind of to the start of the journey. We needed someone else who is capable of taking us further down the road. And so he shares, listen, after me there's another fella coming, and he's way more powerful than I am. He's so powerful, I'm not even worthy to be a servant. I'm not worthy to tie his shoelaces. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. But if you wait for him, he will come, and he will baptize you not with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that baptism is a baptism that will change our lives. It's a baptism that will reveal in us what is not worth it. He talks about chaff, and what chaff is is chaff is what's left of the wheat that you can't do anything good with except burn it up. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit shows in us what needs to be burned up of our brokenness. But the Holy Spirit and fire also shows us where we are worthwhile. It shows us where we are wheat ready to be stored in the barn for God's purpose in the future. And so Jesus comes to bring the Holy Spirit in fire. And this prophecy was revealed on Pentecost Sunday, almost 2,000 years ago. You see, when we talk about Jesus, right, we mostly talk about him being the Son of God and the Savior of the world and the Lord of our life, the one who can forgive us of our sin. That's usually what we focus on. But when John the Baptist thought about the Messiah, when he thought about Jesus, he thought about Jesus as the one who gives us God's Spirit and pours it out on us in abundance. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was active, but it was only active on a few people in a few places for a particular purpose. Maybe a prophet might receive the Spirit to do his prophet's work. Maybe a king like King David or King Solomon might receive the Holy Spirit so that they could be a good leader for God's people. But most of the normal folk were left out of experiencing God's presence in their lives on a daily basis. And so the promise of the Old Testament is the promise of the Father that there would come a day in the life of the Messiah when the Holy Spirit would be given to anyone and everyone who asks. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what language you speak. Doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or American or South American or African. Doesn't matter where you come from. The Holy Spirit was coming to be baptized on all of us. And the Holy Spirit comes 
with fire. I want to quote a couple of ancient fathers, early Christians who talked about the work of the Holy Spirit in this passage. The first is from Cyril of Alexandria. He's an early Christian, about 300 AD, who lived in Egypt. And of this text, he says, The blessed John the Baptist added the word spirit with the active and meaningful phrase, and with fire. And so this is not to imply that through Christ we shall all be baptized with fire, but instead to indicate through the designation of fire that the life-giving energy of the Spirit is given. Fire means the life-giving energy of the Spirit is given. And so if we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, then we see Jesus show up. Now, does Jesus need to repent? No. Has Jesus sinned or ever done anything wrong? No. And John the Baptist knows that. John the Baptist knows that in Jesus is a perfect human life. And so he comes and says, Jesus, okay, I'm ready. Jesus, you're here. Baptize me. I need you to start with me. And Jesus says, no, 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 John, that's not how this is going to work. I'm going to let you baptize me first. He's like, what? Why? You don't need to do this. You don't need to repent. You're already following God. You're already doing what he wants you to do. But Jesus makes this comment, do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I remember reading this for the first time as a young Christian and as a teenager, and I was like, Jesus, why did you do that? What does all righteousness mean? I think it means this. Baptism is the beginning of our journey into following Christ making him Lord of our lives, right? And so to follow Jesus, we want to stay as close to Christ as we can. And so Jesus knew that. He knew his life would be our model. Jesus is our way. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this morning, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor, tell them this morning, Jesus is our way. There you go. Jesus is our way. So he knew he had to model a life to say, this is how you ought to live human life. And so if Jesus wanted us to be baptized, he knew he had to first be baptized. And so baptism was an important part of Jesus' journey in life. It's to be an important part of our journey in life. And so in the baptism with water, but also even more in the baptism of his Holy Spirit. And so what John did for Jesus with water, Jesus now does for us, that we celebrate on Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, an experience of God's power and presence, where God has given you and me, God's given all people that want it, a great gift, a great gift, the gift of God's presence in our lives. Just look at how the presence of the Holy Spirit worked in Jesus' baptism in water. Jesus came up out of the water, and in that moment, heaven was torn open. And it says that Jesus saw the Holy Spirit descending from God like a dove and resting on him, resting on him like a peaceful presence. Again, if we look for the words of the ancient forefathers of uh, I like this quote from Origen. Origen was an early Christian, about 200 A.D. 
And he was also someone who lived in Egypt. And he said this, Christ was baptized for our sake in order to sanctify the waters. The Spirit descended in the form of a dove since wherever there is reconciliation with God, there is a dove. As in the case, for instance, of Noah's ark. And this announces God's mercy to the world and at the same time makes clear that what is spiritual about us should be meek and without wickedness, simple and without guile. The Holy Spirit brings this redeeming presence, this reconciling presence of the living God into our lives so that we can know we are not alone. Paul in his letters writes, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit of what God will do in the future. Deposit of what God will do after death. That God has heaven in store for us. The Holy Spirit is God's deposit and presence with us. But that's not all. Not only is God's reconciling presence with us, but secondly, we see that as the Spirit comes down, also there's this voice from heaven. And the voice says, this is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased with Jesus. And it's this word of love that is also one of the greatest gifts God can give you and me through the help of the Holy Spirit. So much of the struggle in our world today is a struggle about feeling unloved. Mother Teresa knew this. as She talked about her work with the poor in the slums of India. But she knew that that wasn't the greatest among the poor in our world. When she often talked about the poor, she said, listen, the people who are poorest are those who are trying to live their life and they don't know they're loved. They're trying to live their life without love. And so often, maybe growing up in a family where we weren't sure if our mom and dad loved us or not or believed in us or not or never communicated that in any tangible way, maybe we grew up with a hole in our heart saying, ugh, I don't know if I'm worth anything or not. And some of us let that hole grow and thrive where we don't even love ourselves. We don't even like who we are. And we wonder, oh, God, surely you can't make anything good of my life. And the great gift of God, as we turn to him, as we let his Holy Spirit baptize us and immerse us in God's love, is as Paul writes in Romans, God seeks to pour his love into your heart. To pour it in like a liquid fire will burn out all the loneliness, all the lostness, all the feeling of inadequacy and brokenness that there is a presence that can come and fill you so deeply, you'll never be the same again. And so this love is for us today. God loves you. 
the one who made you, who wove you together, who knitted you in your mother's womb, that one loves you deeply and doesn't just want you to know it up here. He has given you his spirit so that you could know it here. I know in my own life in college, I was at Tech, and Tech was wearing me slap out. And I was trying to be a good Jesus follower. I was working in ministry and leading prayer and leading small groups and all this fun stuff. But I was empty. And as God began to wake my soul up that spring, he just began to pour in and say, Chris, it's not about serving me. It's not about doing stuff for me. It's not about making A's at Georgia Tech. The only thing that matters is I love you. That's it. And if you major in your relationship with me, that's all you need to do. If you get your relationship with me right, we are good because I love you. And it's in that grace I continue to be able to walk and preach and minister today in times where I feel empty and down to remember I am loved and I experience that love with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then the last piece, this is the last one, then we'll wrap up. The last piece is this, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And, if you will, the Holy Spirit wants to lead your life as well, wants to guide you, wants to guide our confirmation students, help them learn and grow and thrive. But we must let Jesus and his Spirit take control. And as we do, we don't know quite what the future will hold. We don't know quite what adventure we'll run into. Because sometimes it will be not an easy adventure. It may be a challenging adventure. Because that's what we see with Jesus. After he's baptized, the first thing he's called to do, he's led by the Spirit to go out in the wilderness and to fast for more than a month. And after fasting and he gets hungry, then the devil comes and begins to test him. Are you really God's son? Do you really want to do what God wants you to do? I can give you the whole world anything you want. I can give you. Why not just let me make it easy for you? You see, the Holy Spirit will lead us sometimes to good things, sometimes to easy things. But the best help the Spirit gives us is sometimes the Spirit will help you move through and beyond the greatest challenges you'll ever face. And brothers and sisters, those challenges are critically important challenges. Because it's the challenges in life, especially early on in life, that often shape us in unknown ways and make us who we are. It's those challenges that prepare us for the work that comes after. And so we shouldn't fear the challenges. Instead, as best we can, we need to embrace them. Because it was in the desert Jesus got ready to preach, to teach, to be ridiculed, and to be crucified. The only way he could be ready for the cross was to begin with the help of the Spirit in the desert. And sometimes in our life, we have to face hard things too to get us ready for what comes after. And 
So, brothers and sisters, I pray, one of the greatest prayers you can pray every morning when you wake up is, Lord Jesus, help me live for you, and Holy Spirit, come and fill me so that I may be of use to my Father today. Come, Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time together now, that is the prayer we will pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and be with us. Because when you pray that kind of prayer, there is no telling where the Spirit may lead. I close again with this faith story of Richard Maxim. He decided to give God a chance. He decided to put his past behind him and to say, okay, God, whatever you want to do, I'm ready to give it a try. And as he did that, this is what he shares. He shares, I experienced the love of God in the most powerful way. And for the first time in my life, I became convinced that I was truly loved by God and I was never, and I will never be alone again. And so when I got back to life, I found myself led by the Spirit to live differently. I started reading my Bible on my own. I began praying all the time. I was overwhelmed by God everywhere I went. And then my family saw how I had changed, and that sent a shockwave through my whole family. In fact, my youngest brother, a brother I neglected, he decided he wanted to try what I tried, and so he took and went on an alpha course. And the change was so dramatic, he said, whatever this course has done for my brother, I want to do it, because I can tell that whatever happened to you is the real deal. Not only did he experience a second chance at being a brother, but he also experienced uh, lo the love of God that is his brother experienced that love from God too. He said, I could see Jesus in motion. It was like God was starting conversations with people everywhere I went. And what really blew my mind, he said, is where God led him next. God started bringing people to him. It started when he cut his own hair. And after he cut his own hair, people around him began to say, hey, I like how you cut your hair. Would you cut mine too? Before he knew it, he decided to go and become a barber. You know, he went to barber school. And the great advice of the barber school is this, right? Whatever you do, talk about all sorts of stuff, but don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. It's like, what? Faith in Jesus has so changed me. I got to share Jesus with everyone who sits in my chair. And so he did. He says he thought about those on his Alpha course who loved him and talked to him and helped him find his way. And he wanted to be that for every person who came and got their hair cut from him. And so he would just share honestly. He wouldn't force it, but he would invite them to try God and to follow Jesus through a course like Alpha 2. He wanted to make sure every person was loved, heard, and beautiful. And then he would help them begin to following Jesus, too. What a wonderful picture of a young man who is burning his life down by partying all the time. And instead came to a place to say, yes to Jesus, I'll follow you. Yes, Holy Spirit, immerse me and guide me. And the next adventure transformed not only his life but his family's life and transformed his ministry to today 
And we can be that kind of people too. God knows what he has for you. All we have to do is be willing to say, come Holy Spirit, and to say, yes, I'll follow you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.